0: So, did you stay up to watch the football last night? Meaning, you know, the AFC North football that was going on? Not so impressive, was it? Good morning to you. Good Monday morning. I'm Dayon Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Steelers. It comes your way bright and early every weekday if you're into hockey and or baseball. I also offer daily shots of Penguins and Pirates. The Bengals pulled one out against the Ravens. Missing Lamar Jackson, of course, again, Ty Huntley managed to find his way into the lineup despite a shaky week of his own availability for practice. And Huntley tries a plunge over the top, fumbles it, loses it to Sam Hubbard, who runs 98 yards. Bengals win by one score. And like I said, AFC North ball. Don't tell me that you watch these things without projecting the Steelers into them. You do, don't you? <laughs> I mean, it's human nature. I was even doing that with the Jacksonville game earlier. Uh, that game was I mean, that was just nuts. When you see the Chargers charging the way they did, blowing a 27-point lead and losing to a team that hasn't won a thing in forever. But that's not That's not AFC North ball. And I'm not saying that just because of the obvious that it's actually not AFC North ball. It's not, it's not that type of game. It was going to stay wide open no matter what because of the way both teams play, really, but the way the Bolts have played forever. Once you got through the rest of the games and made it to Baltimore and Cincinnati, you had a pretty good idea, didn't you, that it was going to be tight? Same way Pittsburgh versus Baltimore is, the same way Cleveland is in most of these games, by the way, that are inside the division. They just know too much about each other. They will go at each other so hard that even the team that has the perceived advantage in terms of talent and depth, which obviously Cincinnati would in this matchup, doesn't really have one. Not not that big anyway. But yeah, I I did some of this, too. I did it with the Buffalo game, you know, because that's where the Steelers would have been. Would they have lost to the Bills? Sure. I'd bet. I'm not a gambling guy, but if I was, I'd bet something on it. But then I also looked at how hard the Dolphins came after Josh Allen. And it reminded me of some of how the Steelers have played against Allen, not in the most recent meeting, but in the couple before that. He just didn't get much breathing room. They were able to close him off left and right, and they were able to, from there, manage his passing game by sticking to Stefan Diggs for as long as they can. I looked at some of the players, particularly the offensive guys, because I constantly feel like the bar that we're discussing with the Steelers is related to the young offense and how well it matures. What can you expect at Point Park University in downtown Pittsburgh? Respect. Rigor, relevance, that's the Point Park pledge. You'll be treated with respect while being challenged and supported academically to graduate with career-ready, relevant skills. Visit pointpark.edu to learn more. But uh, other than a really good night from Saquon Barkley, I, I didn't look at those running backs and think, man, there's one of those I'd rather have than Najee Harris. I wasn't having quarterback envy, which I kind of expected to. There were some passes that were thrown Over the course of the day where you'd say, that's not a pass that Kenny would make, you know, because of the really tight, super hard trajectory of, let's say, a Joe Burrow pass. Same goes for some of what we saw from Trevor Lawrence and Daniel Jones really had himself a day. Not sure too many people saw that coming. But at the same time, did you watch it and think, oh, sad me. Uh, I'm rooting for a team that doesn't have a quarterback. You do. You do. You have a lot of the stuff that was on display yesterday, but specifically as it relates to the AFC North, because that's where all of these discussions start. And actually, if you go back over the Steelers' last two Super Bowl runs, you'll remember that they were both fueled first and foremost by getting through the division. This is... This is the kind of thing that reminds me of when Bill Cower won his Super Bowl at the downtown rally, that he just blurted out that this was such a great feeling, that it was like beating the Bengals or something. And he said it, and he was serious. And unless you're around these people on a regular basis, and you hear how they talk about the other three teams in the division, especially Baltimore and Cincinnati, you can't appreciate how much they focus on that. Well, there's a reason for that, because no matter how they stack up against the rest of the conference, as they see it, and I'm not just referring to the Steelers, I'm talking about everyone in the division, no matter what the records or the rankings or the relative public standings are of the other teams in the AFC, they feel like if they can survive the gauntlet of the AFC North, they're in a position to win it all. And that's fortified to a large extent by having seen the Steelers and the Ravens do it over the past couple of decades. And for that matter, even seeing the Bengals make it to the Super Bowl last year. No one was surprised that the Bengals made it to the Super Bowl. Why? Because they made it out of the AFC North. So if you look at... Their future, the short-term future, like 2023, meaning the Steelers, and you put it in that prism, and you ask yourself, can these Steelers, not even so much as currently constituted, but more like what are they going to look like by the time they put their roster together and have this draft class, can they compete with Cincinnati and Baltimore? The answer is yes. The answer is a resounding yes. Do they have the Bengals' offense? No. Do they have the Ravens' defense? Eh, No, not really. But do they have enough to beat either of them on the field? Yes, and they showed that in each case this year in the other team's stadium, no less, winning in Cincinnati and winning in Baltimore. Are they going to catch up with the Bengals' offense in 2023? No, probably not. Are they going to be better? Yeah, they definitely will. A full year of this offensive line, a full year of Kenny as the starter, Calvin Austin being back so that those jet sweeps don't look ridiculous, presuming Matt Canada stays. Najee Harris, older and wiser, a running game that overall is light years from where it was even at the beginning of this season. They'll get there. They'll make up enough ground defensively is matched up against either of these teams that comes down to tj watts health it just does that's an oversimplification but it's an accurate oversimplification they need to replenish that defensive line i believe and hope that that'll happen in the draft i believe and hope that they'll go and spend a lot of money at inside linebacker and from there i mean you watched the game You did not see two teams that were performing a mile above the Steelers plateau. When we come back, J1Q. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? for the past 15 years and yes that is a real thing the super lawyer designation is reserved for the top five percent of all attorneys in pennsylvania learn more about them at lgkg.com or by calling 888-842-5454 today's j1q comes from bill who says dk is it possible that missing the playoffs actually saved Matt Canada's job, he gets to finish on an upward trajectory against lower level teams aided by Kenny Pickett comebacks, but avoid likely getting humiliated against Buffalo. That humiliation may have shown what little progress they'd made and left a sour note with Mike Tomlin, Art Rooney, rather than a positive one. Well, Bill, first of all, as I just mentioned in the opening segment, Buffalo didn't blow me away. And Buffalo hasn't blown too many teams away over the second half. They're really good. I'm not knocking them. Uh, There are players on that team I would love to see wearing black and gold, Uh, maybe arguably beginning with Tremaid Edmonds, but just for selfish purposes meaning that in addition to the gross need at inside linebacker, I'd have another Edmonds with whom to deal on a regular basis. And you're probably right that the Steelers wouldn't have stacked up well in Buffalo. As I've said consistently here for a few days now, that's not a matchup that was going to favor Pittsburgh in any way. Uh, Big, big credit to the Dolphins for making that work with a third-string quarterback meaning their own fight to the finish. As for Canada, well, first off, we don't know 100% that he's coming back. We also don't know 100%, obviously, that he's fired. Uh, my feeling on that, as a brief aside here, is that if he wasn't canned by this past Friday, there's no chance he'll get canned now. Uh, that's just not something that happens not just in the National Football League, but in any major professional sport. You don't do that to your assistant coaches. You just don't. There were already coordinators and coaches around the NFL losing jobs, vacancies being created, interviews being conducted, and you you can't do that to your guy and just hang on and hang on and hang on. And then by the time you get rid of him, The musical chairs have all filled up. No one will want to work for your team once that sort of thing becomes some recurring storyline. So, yeah, at this time, when I'm talking to you on this Monday morning, I believe that Canada is going to stay as the coordinator in 2023. And I also believe that think about this for a second. No one has to make an announcement about this. If the only two people who know this are Tomlin and Canada. You're talking about two people who have a pretty strong general disdain for the media. And you're also talking about a situation in which Canada has a contract for the coming season. So there's nothing to announce. You know, it's, it would be like putting out a press release that says, the sky is blue. He's already the coordinator. They don't need to put out an announcement that says, hey, by the way, he actually is really the coordinator. So there's a chance we don't hear anything, but I believe it's it's done. I believe he's going to stay. And did it help his situation that he got to walk off a field as a winner for the last four games? I mean, yeah. Did it help his situation that he didn't have to go to Buffalo and have the Bills, you know, feast on his offense or make them look really really bad like happened earlier in the season? Uh, I mean, I would say that it would in terms of our perception, our outside perception. Everyone would have been a lot angry and in a lot more surly mood regarding Canada and the team in general had the Steelers ended it with an ugly loss in Buffalo. But when you're talking about inside, there's got to be just a litany of reasons that Tomlin has for keeping this coordinator because Tomlin himself acknowledged in that final press conference that he had after the season, you know, that Canada got better. Well, what's that tell you? He didn't like what there was at the beginning. He got better, but better than what? Better at what? Only the head coach has to know that. He doesn't have to share, and I'm guessing that he's not going to. I appreciate the question. I appreciate everyone listening to Daily Shot of Steelers. We'll do another one of these tomorrow.